Melbourne AA Steps Weekend 2018. This is Gary talking about Step 2. Gary, I'm an alcoholic. Hi, everybody. My home group is the Addison Group in Dallas, Texas. My sobriety date is 13th of June, 1982, and it's a real privilege to be here this weekend. Um, You know, one of the things my sponsor shared with me very early in sobriety, actually he shared a couple of things that turned out to be very prophetic. Um, But one of them was that if I I take time um, to reflect back over the road that I've traveled in sobriety, some things may make a lot more sense than they did when I first started uh, first started on the road. Alcoholics Anonymous has asked me and suggested that I do things that were totally contrary to my original nature coming to Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, had no idea what I was getting into when I came to Alcoholics Anonymous. And one of the f- things that really puzzled me in the beginning when I came to Alcoholics Anonymous was you people talked about a lot of things other than just not drinking. And I didn't, I didn't expect that. You know, and and so as I share here, um, the only way I know how to share about a step is to uh, share my own personal experience, strength, and hope. Um, I don't speak as an authority for Alcoholics Anonymous or as an authority on the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, but I do know my experience, and that's what I have to offer here today. And I want to start with coming into Alcoholics Anonymous totally defeated. Um, Yesterday at the step one meeting, we heard some Um, fantastic shares that I could really identify with in terms of the identification uh, of being a real alcoholic as defined in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, I had known for many years that uh, my drinking was different. Uh, The phenomenon of craving that Dr. Silkworth talks about uh, was present from the very beginning, the first time I ever picked up a meaningful drink. That phenomenon of a craving was there, and I could not stop drinking. You know, and that followed me the whole time. I could never explain it. Um, the other thing that uh, other characteristic that I that I brought to Alcoholics Anonymous was the inability not to pick up that first drink. You know, we had a very very good discussion yesterday. The uh, presentation by Dave and the sharing by the three participants, um, talking about the insanity of the first drink, both before um, be- before picking up the drink and then the uh, the um, compulsion to drink and the powerlessness after picking up the drink. And I had that as well. You know, I never planned on coming to Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, you know, I, this was not on my bucket list of things that I wanted to accomplish. Um, but uh, I had reached a point, and I won't go into the details, but, um, you know, my life and my drinking were both out of control. And for the first time, I could see the hopelessness of my condition. And, and when, I, when I reached that point, um, and it came rather abruptly and rather suddenly, I wanted to quit drinking more than anything in the world. And that's what it took me to come here. And I remember going to my first meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous, um, walking up a long, creaky flight of stairs to get to this meeting in, in St. Charles, Missouri, a small little town outside of St. Louis, and feeling absolutely broken, absolutely devastated, absolutely fearful of what I might find when I walked into that room. You know, and I came here thinking that uh, this was only about not drinking. And I heard that message in the beginning. You know, it was suggested to do it for 24 hours at a time you know, to get to lots of meetings to hang around sober people, and I did those things. And I came to Alcoholics Anonymous, and I discovered that I did not have to pick up a drink. You know, and a day became weeks, and weeks became, um, you know, 30 days, and 60 days, and 90 days. And and what I hadn't anticipated, you know, I, it, it was 
that as the alcohol was removed, the, um, the um, cumulative tragedy that I had brought to Alcoholics Anonymous began to surface. I became very aware of how much shame I had, how much anger I had, how much resentment I had. You know, and I, and, I th- and I thought, that well, this is just a matter of time before this goes away. You know, it's just, I'm looking around the rooms, I'm, I'm watching other people, I'm listening to their shares, I'm, I'm observing them both in, in and outside of the meetings. People that are comfortable in their own skin seem to have a purpose in life, seem to have, you know, they have their feet solidly on the ground, seem to have some direction, seem to have good relationships, and could share their experience, strength, and hope without shame and without remorse and without fear. And I couldn't do those things. And I resented the hell out of it. You know, because I felt different, you know, and I'm and I'm sitting in these meetings and I'm and 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 um, and um, just waiting for this to change, because I thought that Alcoholics Anonymous was just about not drinking, and it was probably about three or four months sober. I can't remember exactly when, but I went to one meeting and I walked out of there particularly angry and particularly resentful, because somebody had the nerve to come up to me and say, "Gary, don't quit before the miracle happens," and I was ready to kill that person. You know, I was ready to strangle that person because I didn't see it happening. And I went home that night, um, and I believe that this was, a, was one of many spiritual awakenings that I've experienced in Alcoholics Anonymous, is the thought occurred to me that there had to be more to this than just not drinking. You know, and, 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 and maybe, just perhaps, just maybe, I was missing a fundamental piece of the message. You know, people talked about God a lot, and... Um, I never understood that. I didn't take offense at it, but um, but I didn't come here to get spiritual. I didn't come here to get holy or religious or, or whatever adjective you want to put on it. I just came here to get sober. And yet you people spent a lot of time talking about things that didn't seem to have anything to do with drinking. You know, you were talking about um, a spiritual design for living and a spiritual way of life. You were talking about um, um, spiritual principles, you putting them into practice in your life. You know, and, 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 and the thought occurred to me, and with the help of a sponsor, came to understand that what you were really talking about was a solution, a new design for living, of which two consequences would occur. Number one would be that I would not have to pick up a drink. But number two is that I'd have the opportunity to actually be able to live life the way I believe God wanted me to live it. In the preface of our 12 and 12, Bill Wilson talks about it. You know, he gives a beautiful definition of what um, AA's 12 steps are designed to do. And I had never read that. I had glossed over it reading the 12 and 12. And what Bill says is that AA's 12 steps are a group of principles which are spiritual in their nature, which if practiced as a way of life, could expel the obsession to drink and enable the sufferer to become happily and usefully whole. And what a promise in there. That goes well beyond just not drinking. Expelling the obsession to drink but enable the sufferer to become happily and usefully whole. And that was what I was looking for all my life. That's what the promise that alcohol made that it couldn't keep. You know, I lived in the delusion that just another drink, just another drink, just another drink will fill that hole. Just another drink will make me feel human. Just another drink will allow me to connect with other people. And I had failed, and I had failed miserably. And Bill was talking about the 12 steps being the prescription for getting there, but it, but, but it had to be practiced as a way of life. You know, and, 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 and so with the help of a sponsor, you know, I was able to get past the first part of step one, the drinking part. That was easy. You know, they, you know it was up close and personal. It was in my face. But where do we go from here? You know, where does step two come into this? 
you know, and was sat down with my sponsor, and, and he helped me to understand that, um, you know, after I get past taking a look at the drinking problem, the, the, the my powerlessness over alcohol in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, I've consumed three chapters of that book. But there's 11 chapters in the first 164 pages. What are the, why do we need eight more chapters if only three of them talk about drinking? And the answer was is that quitting drinking was just the first part of the first step. And, that what I, and, and it would put me in a position where if I was willing that I could cross the threshold, that I could start taking a look at the broken way of life, the broken design for living that I had brought to Alcoholics Anonymous, and that I could possibly replace that with a new design for living based not, so, based not on living life the way I thought life ought to be lived, but living life on the terms that are laid out in the big book, on God's terms. You know, and that meant I was going to have to face the question of God. You know, and, I, and the reason why I share that is because um, I needed a reason to take a look at why I should consider God in this equation. Because when you people talked about God, I came here and I, I believed in God. I brought a God of my misunderstanding to Alcoholics Anonymous. And I used to say that this is what I had been taught, but it wasn't what I had taught. It was what I, was lear- what I had learned. And what I had learned is that God was um, a God that kept score, that um, he, had, he, he had a list, uh, you know, that over the course of days, weeks, months, and years, course of 31 years of my lifetime, that he had laid out some very rigid rules. He had said, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. And I had shouted a lot of times, and, and I had built up quite a track record there. And, and, I, and I came to Alcoholics Anonymous long having distanced myself from this God because I had concluded that I had dug myself into such a big hole that I would be judged harshly, I'd be punished severely, and there was nothing that I could do about it. And yet when I came to Alcoholics Anonymous and I, had, and I started um, you know, taking a look at what the big book was trying to tell me, it told me that I was going to have to face this. And, I, and, I, and, and, and part of why I was getting sicker and sicker in the meetings is that even though I thought that this was just about drinking, the talk of God scared me because I could not see a way of overcoming the God of my misunderstanding to a God that would be willing to help me. You know, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and with the help of a sponsor took me on a journey to, to, to help me understand not only that I was defeated by, by alcohol, but I was defeated by life. You know, in in chapter four, it begins to make that transition. You know, it talks about, it's not talking about drinking anymore. It said, putting aside the drink question, they told why living was so unsatisfactory. And then it talked about how faith in some sort of God could overcome that. That that, that faith in God could work miracles, could change lives. And I thought that that's all well and good for you, but I already know about God. It's not going to work for me. You know, and, and, and so my sponsor took me into chapter five where it began to talk about the failure of my life, that I would have to do something. It told me that my life run on self-will could hardly be a success, and that's how I'd been living my life. Self-will, thinking that I knew what I was doing, making my own decisions, thinking that I was the authority in life. And what did I have always wanted in life? I just wanted to be happy. I just wanted to fit in. I just wanted to be comfortable in my own skin. I just wanted to think that there have a purpose in my life. I wanted to be able to wake up in the morning looking forward to the day rather than running from the day. 
you know, and 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 these were these were things that I had tried to do of my own accord. And I was raised with the all-American values that life can be what you make it. You can be successful too. You just get out there, you know, get an education, be competitive, don't admit a weakness, take advantage of what this wonderful country has to offer, and you too can be happy. And I did that. I started building a career. I went out and got an education, and all the externals looked pretty good when I came to Alcoholics Anonymous. And yet I was a shell of a human being. And I had to understand that when the big book told me that I was the victim of a delusion that I could wrest satisfaction, happiness out of this world if only I manage it well, that that was talking about me. And that was telling me that I could not fix my life by trying harder or being smarter. That I was the victim of a delusion, a false belief, that I could wrest satisfaction, happiness through my own efforts. And so whether I liked it or not, I was going to have to face the question of God. You know, and, and, and in order to talk about step two, I take a look at the words of step two. It became pretty easy at the, in the beginning, intellectually, because it said, came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. It didn't say would, it just said could. And it didn't even say that there had to be a power greater than myself. It was just laying out a proposition. Could a power greater than myself restore me to sanity? And I looked, looked at my sponsor, I said, yeah, but, and I was about to say, but he won't, and he cut me off and he said, you've just taken step two. You've admitted, you've agreed that a power greater than yourself could restore you to sanity. But then the question becomes, how do I bridge the gap between the power greater than myself that I believed in and a power greater than myself that would restore me to sanity? And that meant I had to take a look at what step three was offering. And I have to sneak into step three a little bit in order to share this. You know, it laid out a prescription. It laid out a proposition. It told me that if I live life on God's terms, and the terms were spelled out on pages 62 and 63 of our book, that, that my needs would be met, being all-powerful, that he would provide what I need if I stay close to him and perform his work well. And my responsibilities are to be an agent. He is the director, we as agents. And my responsibility is to be a respectful and obedient child. He was the father, we were his children. And I looked at that and I said, well, that's all well and good. That really is really good, but how is my God going to help with all this? You know, I, I, did, I, I had figured that um, I didn't deserve this. I didn't have this. Um, you know, I, I, I had already racked up too many demerits in the, in the spiritual equation, and there was no way that this was going to work for me. So I was struggling with, the, with, with being able to intellectualize the idea that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity, with the reality that I, did, that I had a hard time believing that he would want to restore me to sanity. And I, don't know how, I didn't know how to cross that bridge. You know, I couldn't pretend it. You know, they, they hear, fake it till you make it, but in a program of honesty, that doesn't sound like a pretty good plan. So my sponsor shared something that, was, that was, turned out to be very prophetic. And what he said, Gary, you don't have to believe in anything. You can hold on to your belief in, your, in, the, in the God that you brought to Alcoholics Anonymous. Just put it aside for a moment. And he said, ask yourself if you could believe that God would help you. If you could believe in the kind of God that would want the best for you. If you could, how would you act? How would you respond? And how would you think? And I had to think about that. And he says... Try acting as a man of faith would act, and you might begin to experience what a man of faith experiences. And so he told me you didn't have to believe in anything at this point. 
I just had to act as if I believed. I wasn't faking it till I make it. I was acting as if. And he said, it says, it said being all-powerful, he provided what we needed if we kept close to him, performed his work well. What would you do? How would you act? What would you think if you believed that? He said, take that into your daily program for living. When confronted with a decision, ask how you would respond. What would you do? Would you pray? Would you ask for direction and guidance? Would you act out of fear? Would you act out of faith? How would you act? And I could do that. He said, try that for one day. And if it works at the end of the day, try it for another day. Try it for another day. And what he was helping me to do is to begin to gain experience. Because it didn't require me to have a conception of God or a belief in God. What it required me to do is act as if I had that. And I didn't have to argue with my old conception of God because I was simply acting as if. And over time, one day at a time, one week at a time, one month at a time, as I began to focus on asking myself what a man of faith would do and start doing it, that I began to experience what a man of faith would experience. And I began, the experience then allowed me at, at, at a point down the road to step back and take a look at the results that I was getting. My relationships were improving. My attitude was improving. I was more comfortable in my own skin. I began to feel that there was a purpose in life. And this was real. This was, these were real experiences. And, I, and, and, and then I had to compare that to what my old belief was had, had brought me to an experience. And I had experience under my belt. And when it talks about in step two, came to believe, that's how I had to come to believe. I needed to act as if I already believed in order to get the experience that would allow me to believe. And I didn't even need to have a specific conception of God. All I needed to know is that this was working, that there was a power greater than myself that not only could restore me to sanity, but was in, pro in the process of helping me be restored to sanity by allowing me to experience what a man of faith experiences. You know, and, and, and I think back on that today, you know, over the time that I've been sober, um, my conception of God, my belief in God, my faith in God has become strengthened. It's evolved. If you ask me, I, 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 you know, I can, you know, I can share things offline. I won't share them here. But what's important is that it worked. And then the final thing I'll share is um, I had to deal with the question is of feeling worthy for this for this gift. And it was pointed out to me that um, I didn't earn my seat in Alcoholics Anonymous based on past performance. I earned my seat in Alcoholics Anonymous based on what I'm willing to do today. The promise in, in, in step three that he will provide what I need if I stay close to him and perform his work well is right here, right now. If I am willing to suit up and show up to stay close to God as best I can, to perform his work well best I can right now, he will provide what I need right now, forgetting about what happened in the past. Because life is lived in the present. The only opportunities that I have today are in the present. God's work is being done in the present. There's opportunities here in Melbourne, back in, back in Dallas, um, anywhere I go, in the present, to be of service. And that's all God has ever asked of me. I just never understood that. You know, and that list that he kept, that I believe that he kept, that's fine and dandy. But I believe today that he wants me sober, that he wants me to have a purpose, he wants me to stay on the firing line of life. And it took Alcoholics Anonymous and the, and the destruction and the tragedy of being a, a raging alcoholic to bring me to a point where I was willing to try something different, to act as if, 
until the belief could actually come. And it's been a real privilege being here. Thank you. Information about the annual Melbourne AA Steps Weekend is available from www.stepsweekend.aagroup.org.au. Thanks for letting us share.